welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. I want to start by reading a familiar passage from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17, and it says these words, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Today we we continue uh, our short series over the last few weeks entitled Handle with Care. And we're going to be looking at kindness today. See what it could possibly and perhaps should mean for us as Christians, to be people who are connected with kindness, people who demonstrate kindness. Over the past two weeks, we have uh, looked at the importance of and the role of truth in our society and the role of truth in our life. The society is trying to, well, disembody truth from reality. We we are told that we live in a post-truth society where feelings and emotions rather than facts and truth are the main thing. And that we're told that what If something feels good to you, if something feels all right, then it's okay for you to do it. We are in this post-truth situation. This presents a real challenge for us as as born-again believers, people who are followers of Christ, because the Word of God is very clear on what truth is and where it can be found and the role that it has to play in our life and how we are called to respond to it. I believe also that we have a similar challenge in regards to Kindness, may similar, maybe slightly different, but I believe it's an incre- increasing challenge for us. How do we be a kind people in an increasingly unkind, selfish, and angry world? How are we to live in the light of that? First of all, amongst each other as the community of faith, and then secondly, in the world in which we live. It is not my role nor my desire to list how unkind this world is. It seems to be getting increasingly angry and you only have to look on the news or read the newspapers or go on online. We're living in an angry world. It's it's pretty crazy in that sense. And when I was a few months ago starting to unpack in my mind around this whole area of angry and kindness, three incidents happened in in my life all very quickly within a a matter of time. One of them, and you you may think, gosh, this is pretty innocuous, because out of out of what I want to share, these three things are important. I was trying, we live in Rotatuna. I don't know if you know Rotatuna. I was coming down to the roundabout. I turned left, and I was about to turn in to go to Countdown. And uh, as you do, that's the road is really busy. And I sat waiting, the first car in line, to turn right to go into, into Countdown in Rotatuna. And I must have sat there for four to five minutes, and no one let me through. I just thought, maybe I need to change my aftershave or clean the car. I got no idea. But no one let me in. I stood there, 
First car in line, car after car after car. The, the traffic lights weren't broken, there was no kids crossing. And for four to five minutes, because I timed it, I sat and no one let me through. You know, four to five minutes A is a long time, and that's a lot of cars. I must have caught it at the wrong time. No one was letting anyone in or out or across. Now, this was somewhat extreme, the four to five minutes, but it's not uncommon to sit there for two to three minutes and no one will let you across or let you come out. That was the first thing. A couple of days later, I think I was, leave, I was finishing, I was going up in the afternoon, and I was at the Claudelands, what I call, forgive me if I've got it right, the Claudelands or the Mosque Roundabout. And the, this has happened a number of times, but it really impacted me on this one occasion. That there was four or five young mums trying to cross the road. And the only thing that they had in common was that they were Muslim mums, and they, had, they were covered, they wore the gear, they had push chairs, and no one stopped to let them go across. And they sat, I could see them, and I was coming up slowly, no one allowed them to go across. They stood there, they were polite, they didn't do anything, they had pushchairs, they had children, and traffic just streamed by. Was it busyness? Was it sexism? Was it racism? Or just a lack of kindness? Who knows? I think the following morning, I was uh, talking, I was talking with Don in the office, uh, one of our early morning chats, and he, and we were talking about this, and he mentioned that a couple of days earlier, I think he'd been outside pack and save, and he had witnessed a, a guy well in his 70s absolutely lose their temper and go ballistic with a young mum who had two children that were, weren't behaving as well as he expected them to. And he opened his mouth, and there was a tirade of obscenities, and this guy, who should have known better, absolutely laid into this young mum who said nothing apart from just quickly picked up her children and went about her duties. And Don's summary was that the old man was totally out of line, he overreacted, and that the children were not that badly behaved. It was just an ugly and an angry situation. I want to talk about kindness, because kindness, because God through his word talks to each and every one of us about kindness and his expectations of each and every one of us in this area. Firstly, we clearly know that God himself is kind. The Old Testament is full of the, his kindness. First of all, Jeremiah says, I am the Lord who exercises kindness. David in the Psalms and the other Psalm writers are full of references to kindness. Just a couple here. Psalm 36 says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 69 says, answer me, O God, from your loving kindness, for your loving kindness is good. According to the greatness of your compassion, turn to me. And there, we could have literally have quoted hundreds from the Old Testament. And this one, one of my favorites from Isaiah says, I will make mention of the, living, of the loving kindness of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us. Old Testament, but the New Testament is very similar. As we come into the New Testament, we know, we know that he wants us to be like him, and he requires our life to reflect his nature and his character, and therefore kindness is an important part of this. The fruit of the Spirit, of which kindness is just one, is more than an attitude or a trait that we should desire, it is clear evidence that the Holy Spirit is working upon our lives and in our lives. It is a clear evidence of something of the, the work of God being manifest in us. It's part of the proof 
that God is alive in us and he's doing something in us. If you want to know if you're growing in God, ask yourself the question, am I a kinder person today than I was six months ago? If you want to measure your your Christian walk, that's a very clear, concise way of doing it. Am I kinder today than I was yesterday? The Holy Spirit is looking to do this work in our life. Paul tells us in the reading that we had in Colossians, we'll come back to this, clothe yourself with kindness. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, we are instructed that love is patient and love is kind. If we claim to have, the Christ, to have Christ in us, we will be kind to others. It's the characteristic of a follower of Christ. To accurately define what kindness is is not very easy as the Bible as in the Bible it can be used in many ways and in a whole variety of contexts. The history of the Greek word for kindness, karestos, is, is interesting. Originally it had something to do with something that was useful or effective or powerful, referring to a person or even an object that was useful or powerful. In the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament, but the Greek translation of it, it is used for in the context of something that is precious, something that is incredibly valuable. In in Ezekiel, it talks about fine and precious stones. In Daniel, it talks about fine and precious gold. That this thing called kindness is something that is precious, it is valuable, it is useful, it has an impact. Elsewhere, the word is used in the context of tender, which we would agree with, tender and generous, compassion, philanthropic, benevolent. Perhaps an easier way of defining what kindness is to see what is the opposite of kindness. I always find that sometimes an easy thing to do. What's the, what's the opposite of something? And it says here the opposite of kindness is brutal, harsh, hurtful, uncaring, and rude. It's one of those, if I can put it like this, one of those classic examples that it is more difficult to define than it is to recognize. But once you know it, ah, oh, they were very kind. Once you've seen it in someone or you've seen it in action, oh, perhaps hard to define, but so easy to recognize. We, must, we often say, oh, that person is a kind person because there's something about them that we have seen. Jack Hayford describes kindness, and I think this is one of the best definitions. He says it like this. (laughs) Kindness is goodness in action, sweetness of disposition, gentleness in dealing with others, benevolence, kindness, affability. The word describes the ability to act for the welfare of those taxing your patience. The Holy Spirit removes abrasive qualities from the character of one under his control. That's a really powerful word. I just want to read it again. Goodness in action, sweetness of disposition, gentleness in dealing with others, benevolence, kindness, affability. The word describes the ability to act for the welfare of those taxing your patience. The Holy Spirit removes abrasive qualities from the character of one under his control. There is something incredibly special and precious about kindness and kind people. Apart from the fact that they are great to be around, it's actually hard to put into words, as I said earlier, what this special is. There is something of a feel-good factor. 
You know when you sometimes you've been with people and you just leave them and you just know that you've been in the presence of kindness? They don't even have to say something or do something. You just know that these people exude through their life and through their actions kindness beyond what we can imagine. There was a, a survey done. It was done a few years ago, but there's no reason we're told why the results should change. There was a worldwide survey done of 37 diverse cultures across all the continents where 16,000 subjects were asked about their most desired trait in a, a mate. What would you look for in a partner? So 37 diverse cultures, 16,000 people were questioned, male and female, and they were asked, what's the quality that you would most want in a mate? And across all those cultures, the number one was kindness. Number one was kindness. The scope and the diversity of the research is as powerful, actually, as the result. Kindness transcends color, culture, country, or even continent. Mark Twain puts it like this. Kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. For quite some time, I have been lamenting or simply moaning about what I see as the rapid disappearance of common courtesy. Where has common courtesy gone? Is it that I'm getting old? Is it that I'm just getting grumpy? Which may well be true. Or maybe common courtesy isn't as common as we'd like to think about it. There seems to be a creeping lack of civility in our society. And I truly believe that we as the followers of Christ have a role, in, a role to play in changing this. I really believe that we have a role to play in this. You know, people would say, what would Jesus do? Well, I tell you what, Jesus would say, yes, please. He'd say, no, thank you. He'd say, can I help you? And can I open the door for you? We cannot blame all of this on the problems of being too busy so that we cannot be polite and courteous. And we cannot blame it solely on the self-contained bubble that we create around ourselves with our phones and with our tablets or with our music devices. We as Christians have to own the problem that we are part of the problem, but we are also the part of the solution. And we can prevent it from getting worse. We hear a lot about being counterculture. I was, I was reading another magazine article online. Um, I don't know if you read a magazine article online, but you know what I mean. I was reading this article online, and it was talking about count, being counterculture. And I, countercultural. And if I'm honest, I read it. I didn't really understand a word it was on about. And I, just, and I just thought, what is that about? But I believe that kindness today is as countercultural as you will ever, ever get. Needs to be said, the questions that we're asking, well, I'm asking this morning, are not just 21st century questions. Luke, in his gospel, tells about 10 lepers who were healed by Jesus, and only one actually stopped to say thank you to Jesus. And scripture records for us, in Luke and in the other gospel, Jesus is surprised, and he asks the question, were there not 10 were there not 10 that I healed? But where are the nine? I really do believe that we have a role here as the people of God, as the people of a different kingdom of redeeming the culture of today. I believe that what we were taught many of us years ago was rooted in the word of God when we were told to be polite, kind, and to be helpful. To adhere to the simple truth 
in, we read of in Luke 6.31, which says, do unto others as you would have them do to you, was and continues to be on the spot. Nowhere did I learn to cut in line in front of other people while waiting to be served, nor did I learn to shout profanities or give somebody a rude signal when I was driving my car, nor did I, was I raised to believe that my wants or my needs are more important than other people's. I believe that we need to make a conscious decision to be courteous in the face of rudeness and angriness, to be kind when it is warranted and to be thoughtful in an ocean of thoughtlessness. I say this to the gents because it's so politically incorrect. Gents taking the time to open the door for someone or let them go, go through, even if it happens to be a lady, is not sexist. It is courteous and may be regarded as kind. Put another way, ladies, you can open every door for me to walk through in front of you and I will do it because I'm going to accept your kindness. I believe that by doing this, we honor the God who created us, the Jesus who died for us and saved us, and we honor our parents and those who, whoever it was, who taught us such lessons that seem to be lost in an ever-increasing, discourteous, unkind, and angry society. And I believe that we have to give our children and our future generations a sense of compassion and caring, order and civility and kindness so they will know what it is like to transform their generation. You know, having said all this, it still bugged me for quite some time why it seems that we're living in an incredibly discourteous society until it dawned on me, and this is the big difference for us as Christians today. Courtesy and politeness are social suggestions, social norms, but kindness is personal and what God calls us to be. Being courteous is part of it, but we are called to a higher, if I can say it, a higher requirement, that we are called to be not only courteous, but kindness, but kind also, because it doesn't, our rooting is not in social norms, but is in a God who has called us to be like him and wishes to transform us into the image of his son and allow us to impact, and thus allow us to impact those around us. A person can choose, can choose to adhere to or ignore social standards. They can do whatever they like. People can choose to do whatever they like. They can be rude. It's a choice of the heart. It's a choice of culture. But for us as disciples of Christ, I believe that not only should we be upholders of common courtesy at the very least, and we should be known as people who are courteous and kind. For whilst courteousness is not kindness completely as we shall see it is in part the imago day the imago day is that belief that we were made in the image of god Let's just put a slide i think this no there should be a slide around that no, doesn't matter i want to unpack this for 20 seconds the imago day is that is that belief that we were made and we all know it but we need to unpack it that we were made in the image of god that everywhere we go, everything that we do, everything that we say, every reaction, every off-the-cuff off the comment or act reflects the Imago Dei, which is the image of God. That you and I are God's image carriers wherever we go. Whether it's stopping to let a poor 55-year-old man cut through the crowd to get into countdown. Or whether it's to stop and let some young Muslim mums 
who are not even in their own country and are probably scared of the living daylights and they don't know enough language to, to articulate how they feel, but to let them cross the road. And if it upsets us or it makes us a little bit late, then we still carry the image of God into those situations. So very quickly, that's just the introduction. Don't worry. I want to talk about three, three or four things very quickly as we try and land this today. How do we, how do we handle kindness in, as I said, an increasingly unkind world? First of all, I want to look at kindness as an action. Kindness is an action. In Scripture, kindness or being kind is not something that you just are. Kindness to function must be demonstrated or it must be practiced. Kindness has a practical outworking. It is something we are, but also inseparable. It is something that we do. Paul tells the church in Corinth, the servants of Christ commend themselves by kindness. Therefore, what we do is what fulfills kindness. As Paul says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We read this earlier. The key word there, as you know probably, is the word clothe. Clothe yourself with these things, with kindness and graciousness. And very often, we have heard speakers interpret this as to put on, clothe yourself, put on, which, which is only true in part. So if you heard people say, well, that means you need to put on as, a, as, a, as a something you need to do every day. That is in, in tr- part truth. Getting my words mixed up here. And we are r- rightly exhorted, but the Greek word clothe is far more than just, oh, put something on. The actual word there is to, is to the reader, and I got my notes, it says, go further. It means plunge. It means go deep. It means sink in. The only thing that I can think of is, I don't know if you're allowed to do it in in pools these days, but remember when you were kids and you could do it in pools or you could do it in rivers and you could do it off jetties and you could run and you could bomb. Do you remember, do you call it bombing over here? And you bomb and you just cause a massive splash and you go deep in the water and you just come up and your bum comes up first and all those things. That's what it's trying to say. That's what it's trying to say. It's not simply clothes. It says, go deep, immerse yourself. Go deep, immerse yourself in kindness and all those things. It's only used in two other occasions in the New Testament. It's used here in Colossians and two other occasions. And it's used to describe the setting sun. You know when you've seen Horizon... I don't know where you're at, maybe you're at Raglan or somewhere, and you know on those great occasions and you see the sun setting, something indescribable. But when you see it, it looks as if the sun is going into the sea, doesn't it? It looks as if it's drowning, it looks as if it's plunging into the sea. And you have this incredible, the sun is going down and and the water's coming up as it were, and it looks as if the sun is plunging into the water. That's the word. That's what it, the word that it means to clothe yourself with all these things. It's an incredible imagery. So what Paul is saying here is that when we wake up in the morning, as well as getting dressed physically, we should get dressed spiritually. And in doing so, we should ask ourselves, what kind of attitude am I going to plunge myself into today? What sort of attitude am I going to immerse myself in today? What am I going to be sort of, what sort of person am I going to be? Am I really going to immerse myself in compassion and kindness and humility and so on? And Paul says kindness is a choice. 
And we can choose to put it on each day. Choose to put it on each day. Those of us who have children, you know, some, maybe it's just my experience, but you know sometimes when kids get up in the morning and they have a certain word written across their forehead and you know it's going to be a bad day. They've got trouble all over it or cantankerous or other words that I'm not... You know, sometimes you wake up and they are, they're like that all day. And you just the sooner they go to bed, the better. They'll wake up the next morning. You know, for us, we should be people that have kindness, compassion, and all those stamped across our foreheads every day of our life. I am, um, <laughs> as I said, kindness is, is, a, is an action word. My, my, my late mother and I were very, we got on incredibly well. We, uh, part of the way that we got on, it's only something you develop when you get older, is that we used to quite argue a lot. We used to like to disagree. I don't know if you have that relationship with your mum. My dad and I very seldom disagreed. My mother and I, if we didn't disagree every day over something, we weren't happy. But that's how we live. And, um, and she always liked to speak up for the people that I perhaps wasn't always very kind about. If somebody annoyed me, she used to say, oh, they're fantastic people. And, you ever, and she used to, just to annoy me, but that's the way we got on. And it was a lot of fun. And, uh, and she used to say this annoying phrase, if I had said somebody was a real pain, and they'd say, she said, oh, Chris, but they're kind at heart. I, and I used to hate that. She used to say, oh, but Chris, you can't say that because they're kind at heart. And it always used to bug the living daylight out of me because I knew that it wasn't right, but there was something that, anyway, it wasn't until a couple of years later that I sat down and looked at it. And I looked at why did this whole thing about kind, my mother annoying me, that's a separate issue, but why did what she said annoyed me when she said kind at heart? It's because it is impossible just to be kind at heart. Kindness just at heart is not kindness. Kindness is not hidden, it's not something that's not seen, or occasionally brought out. It is not biblical kindness. For, you, for us to have biblical kindness, it has to have a practical expression to it. If someone has a kind heart, then they will have kind acts. If they are kind at heart, there will be kind words. Kindness cannot be just contained in our hearts as believers and stay there and be dormant. And we have those stupid statements that say, oh, they are kind at heart. It is impossible to be kind at heart without having actions that go with it. That is not biblical kindness unless those two go together. Kindness is not hidden. It is visible. And we can't think of ourselves as kind people unless there are actions that go with it. We can be kind at heart if we are actioning and doing it. And kindness is not something that is hidden. But also, quickly, kindness can be present even when fondness is not. Kindness can be present even when you don't like someone. God-initiated kindness is not simply intended for those we like and for those who love us. Anyone, you know... Anyone can return kindness with kindness. Anyone can be kind to those people that we like and vice versa. But when we are called to be kind where we perhaps don't like them or there is no fondness for that person, then it's a whole new ball game. I am sure, and I have no theological foundation for this, and I'm, but I'm pretty sure that God puts difficult people in my life 
so that he wants me to be kind to them. You know, I just, every, I just, I don't know if it's a, if, if there's a theology for it. Are you the same? I, I always come across people who annoy me. Maybe you don't. And I always feel God say to me, Chris, you've got to be kind to them. And he just says, be kind, be kind. And I don't want to be. But I don't have a, theolo- I don't have a theology that says that God taunts Chris Jones, but I think that he does. <laughs> Keeps on putting people in my life that annoy the heck out of me, and God calls me to be kind to them. You know, if you ever get the chance to do a Bible study on the greatness of God, one of the things that will strike you is his restraint. God is an incredible God, but he's an incredible God of restraint. God's ability, as it were, to restrain his anger, to restrain his judgment when people and nations sinned against him. And the only phrase I can use is quite divine. The very fact that we are sitting here this morning and are able to say that we have a relationship with the King of Kings is a great example of his restraint because he doesn't deal with us and never did deal with us the way that we should have been dealt with. That when we discover or rediscover that we worship a God who substitutes kindness for retaliation, who is kind to the ungrateful, who is kind to the downright annoying, it should challenge us and change us about our attitude to demonstrating kindness in an angry world. If our God can show kindness in the face of the worst possible rebellion, how much more should we show kindness to people that annoy us and that we don't like? You know, kindness is not based on the merit of the recipient, but on the character of the author, and the author of our kindness is God himself. See, the uniqueness of Christianity stands out boldly in, in how we treat our enemies. People watch us, you know, I, I, I love history. Uh, I think being European, history is just all around us. It's such a part of our life. And one of the things that I love is autobiographies. And as a child of, of the Cold War, I grew up when the Russia or the Soviet Union was at its peak and at its most threatening and the whole thing, you know, <laughs> it just shows the difference than New Zealand. If Russia had launched a nuclear missile in the 80s from Moscow, it would have taken four minutes to get to London. That's how real the Cold War was during the 70s and 80s. And I remember reading a lot of autobiographies around that time about the Russian leaders, and there was one guy by the name of Nikita Khrushchev. Those of you who are older, forgive me, but you will remember, some of you will remember the Cuban Missile crisis of the early 60s that nearly brought us to war. And he said about this, because he was one of the biggest persecutors of Christianity in his lifetime. He said, the difference between Christianity and communism is great. When someone strikes you on the face, you turn the other cheek. If you strike me on the face, I will hit you so hard that I'll knock your head off. That's what he said. Christian kindness is unique and it is not simply limited to those whom we like or those who may reciprocate such kindness. You know, Rick Warren says it like this, unkind people need your kindness the most. They advertise their pain. You know, God's standard for kindness requires us to be kind to all, even those we don't like or don't have any fondness for. In saying, I realize that many of you work with colleagues and in work situations that are incredibly difficult and are incredibly hard. And I just don't want these to be trite comments that flow from the front of a church when people are in incredibly difficult situations. But still, the call is the same. 
The challenge is the same, but his grace is sufficient in even those situations. Even in those times, we are called to be kind. Even when it's not easy. So having said that kindness can be present when fondness is not, I just want to unpack that a little bit more, but under a different heading that says kindness is not selective. It's a little bit different. As I said, strongly linked, but sufficiently different for me to speak for a few moments about them, if only briefly. The call to Christian kindness is not to only to those who on the surface are different. It's an also a call to be kind to those people that we don't normally associate with. It's to be kind to those who we would not choose to be associated with. God just doesn't call us to be kind to our own kind. He calls us to be kind to people that are completely different to us. You know, some people find it hard to connect with those that they don't perceive as being in the same economic or social or financial bracket as them. They find it hard to connect with other people. Throw into that color, ethnicity, and tribe, and you have a lot of people that you don't normally connect with. I believe that God calls us to be kind to people that we do not normally associate with, and he does not call us to be selective. Forgive the crudity of this. God does not call us simply to be kind to our own kind. I think it's Bill Hybels who talks about crossing the room. And we're not called to just simply be in our own little world and kind in that. We are called to be kind to people that we normally don't have anything to do with or associate with, if I could use that horrible phrase. Kindness also needs to transcend sexual and gender orientation differences. Not as a sign of approval, but as a recognition of that person being someone who was equally made in the image of God as you and I were. This is not a call to liberalism, but a call to truly reflect who God is and has called us to be. Living out our kindness is more important than our opinion on a situation. I sometimes think that we get caught up in our opinion more than our kindness. We're not called to practice selective kindness. We are called to be kind to everyone that are growing, that are showing kindness are based on grace and favor rather than merit and worth. That God calls us to be kind to every single person that we meet. Going to sh- just shoot through this last one really quickly. I'm going to finish today by talking about kindness beginning at home. Surely, Chris, this is a given. I'm not so sure it is. We will never be kind out there if we are never kind at home. Always have the mantra what you are at home is what you are outside. People just don't know it yet. What we are at home is what we really are. Some husbands and wives can be brutal with each other. Phrases like, well, you're a whole lot nicer to people at church or at work than you are to us are scarily way too common and often heard when they shouldn't be. Such statements are heard with too much regularity. You know, when we're at church, let's be honest, when we're at church, we're expected to conform to a certain standard of friendliness, aren't we? None of us would be dull enough Sorry, if that sounds horrible. Dull enough not to be nice at church, would we? Because we want everybody to think that we're nice. And we want people to think that we're friendly. 
What would people say if we didn't? But at home, it can be slightly different, for we all live close together at home, and the dynamics are different. Differences and conflicts are inevitable. Frustrations can linger unresolved, and we know each other way too well. So over a period of time, kindness begins to lose traction. It starts to lose its input, and we get more mileage out of counterattack, sarcasm, and put-me-down than we do kindness. In the early days of marriage, it's all about woo and wonder and majesty. Maybe sometimes that can get lost and kindness is replaced. You know, it happens way too much for it to be ignored and not mentioned. And I'm just going to leave it there as time doesn't allow us to, to go on. I do just want to tell you one story that every time, I haven't told it very often, broke my heart, breaks my heart. Um, I grew up in a church denomination that we had an incredibly good leader. He was an incredibly godly man. Uh, from the outside, he was an incredibly godly man, and he did incredible things. And he probably was one of the top guys in our movement for about 20 years. And I um, revered him, honored him. When, I went, when we went to seminary, I got to know his son. And his son was a good man. His son and his wife, and he got to, got to know him really, really well. And by this time, his dad and he were, he, he was the son of this guy that I just mentioned, and he and his dad were in the throes of patching up their relationship. But I remember him telling me that when he was a young guy in his home, and he was the son of a pastor, son of the leader, so his dad was incredibly busy, and his dad was hardly ever there. And he didn't really have a relationship with his dad, and his dad was out, but his dad was this incredible man of God. And in those days, you know, you never said anything about the man of God. He didn't know the kindness of his father at home. His father was abrupt. His father was very busy. He was all these things. He wasn't a nasty dad, but he wasn't a kind dad. And um, my, my friend had the ability as a, as a teenager, even later on in life, he had the ability for getting into trouble. He would just do dumb things. But whenever he got in trouble with his, uh, with his mum and dad or his mum, his mum would always say, you need, you're going to see your dad. Your dad's going to have to talk to you. But his dad was too busy to talk to him. So what happened was, in his teenage years, whenever he needed a row, whenever he needed to be told off, his dad took him on a trip with him. He took him on one of his journeys when he was going to preach at a place or do some meetings. And he said, my, my memory of my dad in my teenage years was that I only went on a car journey with him if I was going to get a row. And he said, my lasting memory of my dad is giving me a row in a car rather than being kind to me. I think it's an incredibly powerful story. What are the memories that we are giving to our kids and our grandkids? Well, how, how many of us have been damaged because we have not seen Christian kindness in Christian homes? Firstly, between mum and dad and then between, between siblings. He knew his anger and not his kindness. You know, much we could discuss, but... I need to wrap this up, and I want to wrap this up by just talking. Again, I'm going to sound grumpy, forgive me. Have you come across this, this movement uh, called Random Acts of Kindness? You know, it's a big thing. They actually have a Random Acts of Kindness week in the States, and we're sometimes encouraged to do these Random Acts of Kindness. And for a long, long time, I felt very, very uncomfortable about this whole movement. In, in part, it was okay, but I felt really, really uncomfortable. And I have to feel, I have to admit this morning, I feel a bit like Scrooge-like, but I struggle with this idea. I did a, I thought, now, I'm going to answer my own problems here. So I did a Google search, 
And I said, why do I feel, this is my question, why do I feel uncomfortable with the Random Acts of Kindness movement? And in 0.44 of a second, there were 752,000 replies. And only one of them gave me, agreed with me. All the rest were why this was so wonderful. So here's me feeling Scrooge-like and now feeling actually depressed because I'm being grumpy. I know, but it's about this. Random concerns me. The use of the word random isn't a word that we as Christians should allow into our vernacular when it comes to kindness. We are not called to perform or carry out random acts of kindness. That's something for the world to do. That's something for society to do. And if they do it, absolutely fantastic because I think every act of kindness is worth it and well and truly wonderful in and of itself. But for us as Christians, kindness must be an integral part of who we are and how we outwork our salvation and not a random act. It's who we are. It's who we are called to be, not just at random times when it suits us. Musicians, please. I talk these three weeks about handle with care. Called, I believe, when it comes to kindness, when we handle it with care, we need to be open-handed. And we need to be kind to people that we don't necessarily get on with. We're called to be kind to people we don't necessarily know. We're called to be kind to people that even take advantage of us. But it's not to be random. But it's, to be an ex- it's just to be core to who we are. Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.